What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Guess what, Will? What's that, Mango? So I was organizing my computer in my uh, bookmarks folder last week, and I found this old story I'd bookmarked forever ago. It was about this guy named uh, Josh Silver who created these self-adjusted glasses. Have you heard about these? I do remember this from a while back. I mean, I'm a little foggy on it. I, I, I remember they came with these little syringes to set them, right? Yeah, that's right. And they are amazing. So basically, Silver figured out that if you put a little bit of silicon oil in between two pieces of round glass, you can make these adjustable glasses for people with poor vision. And you don't even need an optometrist. Like in the newest versions, I, I think you can actually just adjust a dial with your hands until it squirts in the right amount of oil so you can see clearly. And then you just set it and the things only cost like $20 a piece. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and so they're actually reusable so you can adjust them as your vision changes. And the whole idea was to help people in developing nations. But apparently the frames do have one downside and that's that the frames have to be circular. Well, I mean, that's not terrible. Just think John Lennon or Gandhi even. I mean, some big names. That's right. And I've actually seen some competing brands online now that use different shapes. But it's all pretty amazing. And it got me thinking, if we have these super smart and super cheap solutions for people with poor vision, how far are we from giving sight to people with no vision? And that's our big question today. Will we ever cure blindness? Can stem cells and gene therapy help? And why should humans let a doctor stick a bit of algae into their eye sockets? Let's dive in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Shatikader. And on the other side of the soundproof glass, wearing a blindfold as he concentrates on the sound. He's such an artistic genius. That's our pal and producer, Tristan McNeil. I guess he does that when he's focusing now? Yeah, I think it's something he picked up while he was watching, you know, one of his favorite movies, which was the third Karate Kid. <laughs> the most important in the trilogy. It really is a pretty important one, but uh, but that's Tristan. 
Anyway, you know, while Tristan can restore his sight anytime he pleases, there are millions of people with actual visual impairments who don't have that option. And in fact, according to Nat Geo, roughly one in every 200 people on Earth can't see. That's about 39 million people. In addition, there are another 246 million people with conditions that moderately or severely limit their vision. So despite the fact that humans have spent thousands of years searching for ways to remedy blindness, all that collective effort hasn't been enough yet, but we're actually getting much closer. So for today's episode, we're shining a light on the newest science and trying to determine, will we find a cure for blindness? So you know what's bonkers is I, I was looking up cures for blindness, and the craziest story I found was uh, about this guy from Falmouth, Maine. I guess he was a trucker from the area, and he'd been in this serious accident on this icy bridge, and he lost his vision as a result. So his wife had this really sweet story of, I guess, leading him around the house and being his eyes for him and, and giving him all these mnemonic devices of, like, how many stairs to go down, then up, so he could get out of the house and... He was doing this for years, like eight years or nine years or something. And then one day during a storm, he went out to get one of his pet chickens. And as he was out there, he was struck with lightning mm. and he was completely stunned. But he went in after he took a nap. And when he woke up, he could actually see again. No way from the lightning strike. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I, I, he was on the news everywhere from like local news to the Washington Post to stations in Japan. And like no one could figure out why it jarred his brain into reconnecting his vision. I mean, it's just such a crazy and amazing story. But, uh, you know, back to what you were saying, I, I'm actually glad that you mentioned up front that there's so much variation on the term blind. Because think of blindness as a complete lack of functional vision. And only that is actually an oversimplification. So I, I didn't realize this until we started digging into the research, but you know how someone with good vision is said to have 20-20 vision? Right. Well, someone who's legally blind is defined as having equal to or worse than 2200 in their strongest eye. And you might be wondering what that means. If you're 20-20, you can actually see an object about 200 feet away. But with 2200, you can see no further than 20 feet, which means even though they're legally blind, they can still see. And with the aid of prescription glasses or contacts, you might actually be able to see pretty clearly. Yeah, I mean, 20 feet is not exactly just a short distance. And, and I guess it does help us remember, just like with sightedness, there's this spectrum for blindness. So, you know, some sighted people see better than others and some blind people see worse than others. And so I, I guess you know, that nuance in all of that is is easy to lose track of sometimes. That's definitely true. Uh, although I, I did read that people who develop even a minor visual impairment like nearsightedness actually have a higher risk of developing a more serious eye condition down the line, which is kind of scary to think about when you consider that something like 40% of the current U.S. population is actually nearsighted. Well, and the stats on that are getting, you know, maybe even scarier than that. There was a 2016 study from the journal Ophthalmology, and it was talking about the fact that the number of people with myopia or, or nearsightedness, that's only expected to grow in the coming years. And in fact, by 2050, half of the world's population will be nearsighted. So why is that? Like, what's making bad vision so rampant? Well, I think the guess that most people would have on this is pretty accurate. You know, if you think about the amount of time we spend indoors staring at our screens. And so the result is that more people have eyes that work well when looking at things up close, but not so much when faced with faraway objects. Yeah, it's kind of baffling that we do this to ourselves. I, I mean, I'm saying this as I'm taking a selfie of myself and also checking the weather. Nonstop. Is, uh... I don't know which you do more, <laughs> take selfies or check the weather, but it's nonstop. 
<laughs> so, uh, of course, the phones and the tiny screens is only part of the story. There's some visual impairments are obviously there from birth. You've got others that develop later in life. And some, like our truck driver friend, are the result of trauma. Yeah, you know, and then there are the types of blindness that are brought on by disease. And, you know, all of that variation means there's never going to be a universal cure for vision loss. I mean, there's a whole host of things that can cause it. And that means we'll need a wide range of treatments to cover all of our bases on this. Well, let's talk about some of the most promising strategies because there are three major ones at the moment. We've got bionic implants, stem cell research, and there's gene therapy. And the first of these has been in play the longest with different styles of bionic eyes that have popped up all over the world for a while now. Here in the States, the first to be approved by the FDA was the Argus 2. This is a system that pairs electrodes implanted in the retina with a video camera attached to a pair of fancy glasses. Well, and you should talk about the kind of blindness that helps with it, because if I remember, it's pretty specific, right? Yeah, it, so it's aimed at people who suffer from a rare hereditary disease called retinitis pigmentosa, and that causes cells in the retina to degrade over time. And there are between one and 200,000 people affected by it in the U.S. Supposedly, the condition feels like looking down a tunnel that's gradually, gradually narrowing until it finally disappears. And what the CEO of Argus claims is that the company is trying to use the device to almost reopen that window that's closed on them. Hmm. I mean, that sounds amazing. But these implants have obviously been in development for a while now. So so how advanced is the Argus 2? The thing is, there's actually more cutting edge technology out there. The Argus is just the last one the FDA has signed off on. But if you look at what's emerging from labs, you can actually find devices that are even more effective at helping people see. So, for example, there's this one being tested in the UK where a microchip is implanted in the eye to stimulate the optic nerve. The chip basically feeds visual information to the nerve, which in turn sends it up to the brain. I mean, a lot of this stuff sounds kind of like science fiction while also Mm -hmm. being totally believable at the same time. But I'm curious, I mean, how close to full sightedness do these kinds of devices actually get somebody? So that's one interesting point. Both the Argus 2 and the microchip I mentioned, they only deliver images in black and white. And since the Argus only uses about 60 electrodes to stimulate the retina's neurons, the resolution isn't actually that good yet. So these implants can help patients distinguish between light and dark, which I guess means they can read large printed letters or even recognize where objects are located. But You can't exactly drive a car or, you know, pilot a plane yet. Mm -hmm. And again, these devices are only effective for treating a rare kind of visual impairment in the first place. Yeah. And we should stop for a second to acknowledge the fact that, you know, the leading cause of blindness around the world is is something we've actually developed a cure for. And and those are cataracts. And so just as a refresher on this, cataracts are basically this buildup of protein on the lens of the eye and a clouding that results in, you know, in faded colors and blurry vision, and it gets worse over time. And so cataracts tend to occur as people get older, but they can also result from congenital problems or or maybe even physical trauma from time to time if it happens directly to the eye. And, and like I said, cataracts typically can be treated through surgeries that they just replace the clouded lens with artificial ones. So every time I think about cataract surgeries, I always think about this origin story we had from mental floss. And the only reason I remember it is that I'm actually terrified of touching my eyes or <laughs> anything even being close to my eye. But uh, the story was that I think it was like in ancient Greece or Rome, there was this goat herder who had a blind goat and he accidentally saw it walk into a thorn bush. And when it scratched its eyes, suddenly it could start seeing again. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's definitely a story that gets mentioned as as that inspiration for cataract surgeries. And I don't know if it's true or not, but it's definitely an interesting story. And you know, the procedures have been around for a long time. I mean, you know, Celsus, the old Roman physician, he, he actually described early cataract surgeries. And, you know, this guy was alive in like 25 BCE. So this is a long, long time ago. And, you know, obviously the surgery has evolved over the centuries, but you know, even though 20 million people have done it every year, there are still huge swaths of the world population who don't have access to treatment or, or maybe that don't even know that it exists. Yeah, which is really sad. And in this case, I, I guess the challenge isn't so much developing a cure as it is finding a better way to roll out the cure to those who need it. But, you know, for the millions of people who do get the surgery, do they return to full vision or is it more of a mixed bag? Well, it varies. I mean, for some, it's a complete fix and others still need glasses or contacts in order to get the, the full effect. But actually, there's a new surgical technique being tested that would do away with the mixed results while also making the whole procedure a lot less of invasive than it is now. So how does that work? Well, strangely enough, it's by using the body's own stem cells to regrow a functional lens for the eye. How weird is that? <laughs> so I don't even know if I should be embarrassed to admit this, but before this episode, I, I didn't know the eye had stem cells. Well, I, I don't think a lot of people do. And, and actually, every tissue in the body contains stem cells, and they can replace any damaged cells within that tissue. And you know, the problem is that stem cells tend to diminish as we age. And that's why this new approach has mainly dealt with cataracts that are in children. You know, they, they just have more stem cells to work with than adults do. That, that's crazy that kids can get cataracts. Like, I, I thought it was just for goats and old people. But You're, uh, you're learning so, so it, much today, Mango. <laughs> so if this new technique uses stem cells that are already in place, why is it a surgery? Well, the surgery is to remove the non-functional eye lens while leaving the functional stem cells, you know, within that lens intact in that situation. But mm -hmm. it's kind of like setting aside seeds from a piece of fruit that's gone bad. Like you can't salvage the flesh that's turned, but, you know, the seeds can still be used to produce a new fruit. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a weird analogy. I've been working on this. it for days. I was trying to think of a good <laughs> analogy, but I felt good about that one. So um, I, I guess you've got this eye fruit from these stem cell seeds and, and that actually ends up being useful. Yeah, see, it worked. This was a top shelf <laughs> analogy. This is this is pretty good. Well, actually, let me read you this breakdown from an article I found in PopSci. It says, quote, the researchers tried their procedure on 12 human babies under two years old. They found that in these children, the lenses were functional and regenerated faster than the 25 children who received the standard treatment for cataracts. The new technique also reduced the chance of complications and increased the clarity of the visual field by 20 times. Mm -hmm. And actually looking at this, like the only downside is that older patients with cataracts would have a tougher time regenerating lenses because, you know, their lack of stem cells. But you know, this procedure could help them. It, it would just take longer for the new lens to form. Well, I mean, it's still an amazing breakthrough either way. And for elderly patients, there's always the option of stem cell transplants from a different person's body like the 60-year-old from Japan who was able to stave off blindness with a little help from his friend, or his friend's stem cells, rather. Well, I definitely want to hear about this, and we should probably talk about gene therapy while we're at it. But before we dig in, let's take a quick break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You're listening to Part-Time Genius, and we're talking about the most promising efforts to cure blindness. All right, Mango, so historically, stem cell transplantation has been an ethically touchy subject for, you know, a lot of people. So in doing your research this week, did, did you find anything that, that might ease those concerns? And if not, what's the best way to reach you for anybody that wants to send you, you know, maybe an angry note or email? <laughs> Well, first off, I'd suggest writing your senator, not your local podcast host. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we've definitely figured out how to utilize stem cells in ways that don't carry that ethical stigma that I guess embryonic stem cell research does. So as we were teasing before the break, in March of 2017, a Japanese man in his 60s became the first person to receive a stem cell transplant from another person in order to keep from going blind. So who was that donor? Because, you know, I'm thinking about this. If if older people don't have many stem cells left to donate, I mean, I think you said this was ethically safe. So I, I assume these weren't from a kid, right? So this is the amazing thing. The donated cells came from a living adult. They just weren't stem cells when they were removed from the donor. All right. So how does that work exactly? Like, do they get the mature cells to revert back into stem cells? Exactly. They Benjamin buttoned them. So... <laughs> Scientists basically took some mature cells, and it was skin cells in this case, and then they reprogrammed them back into this embryonic state. And from there, the cells were manipulated until they became a type of retinal cell that's useful for slowing down macular degeneration. All right. So this surgery last year, was this the first time reprogrammed cells like this have been used to treat blindness? No. So that's actually the crazy part. This was the first time using reprogrammed cells taken from someone else's body in 2014, they'd done this before. A, a Japanese woman received retinal cells that had been reprogrammed from a sample of her own skin cells. And the procedure worked, but there's actually a higher risk of genetic abnormality when using your own skin cells. So the success of last year's transplant was this giant leap towards making stem cell transplants both safer and easier to perform. Yeah, and it actually reminds me of something else from Nat Geo, which mentioned that neuroscientists really appreciate studies on the eye because, as one of them said, quote, it's the only place you see the brain without drilling a hole. 
<laughs> so uh, obviously I see the advantage of not having to drill holes in people's heads, but <laughs> how exactly do we see the brain through the eye? Well, the idea is that the retina is basically a bundle of neurons connected to the brain via the optic nerve. So uh, it sort of makes the whole eye seem like, as one neuroscientist put it, an outpouching of the brain. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard the word outpouching before. I just wanted to use the word outpouching. So I kind of crafted all of my notes around being able to say that because it's super useful in Scrabble. But, but it actually is really fascinating. And the whole idea is that because of this connection between the eye and the brain, there's a good chance that treatments that are effective in the eye might also have applications in the brain or maybe even the spinal cord. So as David Dobbs puts it for Nat Geo, Quote, experimental strategies now focused on the eye may drive future treatments for the whole human organism. Gene therapy offers the promise of fixing faulty genes that cause illnesses of all kinds. So he goes on to talk about some examples here. He says, you know, stem cells offer the promise of replacing entire tissue structures. Bionic implants may replace failing organs. The eye is becoming a window not just to the soul, but also to the possibilities and limits, of course, of therapeutic approaches on which medicine is betting its future. I mean, it's super cool to think that the research of curing blindness is kind of leading the way in all these new fields. Yeah, it is. And uh, you mentioned gene therapy being used to fix disease-causing illnesses. I, I'm guessing those are diseases that cause blindness as well? Well, right. So, so instead of eye conditions that are largely age-related, you know, like cataracts or macular degeneration... In, you know, gene therapy, this would be a way to target congenital or hereditary eye diseases. And, you know, so the way it works is by injecting healthy genes into the eye, and that then helps repair the damage or mutated cells. So have we already tried this? Well, yeah, one of the earliest successful trials was started back in 2007. And researchers at the University of Pennsylvania, they got together 10 blind volunteers and they all had Lieber's congenital amaurosis, and that's this hereditary disease that causes retinal degeneration and, and then, of course, blindness soon after that. And the volunteers were injected with this harmless virus, and it contained healthy copies of a gene. It was that same gene that had mutated in their eyes and caused their blindness in the first place. So I'm so turned off and grossed out by the idea of eye injections. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a horrifying thought. And it just makes me think of like Clockwork Orange or Terminator and all creeps me out. Yeah, I get that. And and I was actually thinking the same thing earlier when we were talking about the surgeries that, you know, either stick electrodes or microchips into the eye. I mean, it's all stuff that can make you pretty queasy. But after these injections, did the volunteers actually get their sight back? They did. And some of them had been unable to see even like a hand waving in right in front of their face before the procedure. But huh. afterward... I mean, they were able to read the first six lines on a sight chart. I mean, six lines. That's something I think mm. a lot of people couldn't do even if they were squinting. And and that's not all either. I mean, there were some volunteers that were even able to make their way through a dimly lit obstacle course. And so, yeah, it's probably <laughs> a pretty fun day and one that, you know, this definitely would have been possible without this therapy. I mean, it's really miraculous. I, I am curious, though, so, since we were talking about that eye-brain connection does this gene therapy affect the brain at all? Like, it seems like it would have to, right? Because I, I guess, like, the pathways in the brain aren't actually set up to receive visual signals. So how are they able to register the ones sent by these new genes? Well, that's a good point. And the truth is the researchers weren't certain of how well the volunteers would be able to process the new information that the therapy allowed for. And you know, the consensus for a while was that there's been this limited window early in life when neurons can be trimmed and shaped and reshaped. And, 
you know, as time goes on, that plasticity decreases. And most of the gene therapy volunteers had been in their 20s at the time of the procedure. And I think one of them was like 45. So there was definitely no guarantee that their neural pathways could be repaired enough to transmit those those visual signals. I mean, it clearly worked, right? I mean, they were racing through obstacle courses and zooming down eye charts. I mean, it's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, in fact, the researchers actually gathered the participants again two years later, and they conducted various brain scans just to see how well their neural pathways had adjusted. And amazingly, the scans showed that they looked very similar to the pathways in people who didn't have any sort of vision problems. I mean, it's just incredible huh. when you look at that. And According to the lead researcher's name is Manzar Ashtari, uh, there may be a critical window of accelerated brain plasticity. But we've shown that doesn't mean you lose the capability of restructuring pathways as an adult. So I, I like this idea of old dogs that are perfectly capable of learning new tricks. Yeah, well, all right. There's one more form of gene therapy that I, I do want to make sure that we get to. But before we get into it, let's take a quick break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. Okay, well, so what's this other kind of gene therapy that you wanted to talk about? I think you said it's like flawless and a miracle cure. Isn't that right? No, I definitely did not say that. But <laughs> actually, in all honesty, that this one isn't without its drawbacks, just like the other treatments, though. I mean, all of these treatments and advancements do have some drawbacks at this point. But at the end of the day, it's too cool not to talk about this one. All right. So first of all, have you ever heard of optogenetics? I don't think so, no. Well, optogenetics is typically used in animals, and it helps researchers get a better sense of, of how exactly the brain works. And if you think about the name and what it implies, the technique, it's, it's really a combination of optics and genetics. So basically, it's a way to change the DNA of nerve cells so that they can be controlled by light. 
which sounds super cool, but I have no idea what that means. Well, basically, it helps researchers illuminate certain parts of the brain and then monitor an animal's brain behavior after doing that. And in the past, optogenetics hasn't been utilized in humans, you know, namely because of what it involves. I mean, it normally involves attaching a wire to the brain through a hole in the head. And for some reason, people just don't seem that excited about that. But (laughs) as we mentioned earlier, I mean, the eye is a pretty handy way to access the brain without the need for the power tools involved in the other ways. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, so what kind of light detecting gene are they injecting and, and what are we trying to do to the brain exactly? All right, well, let's th- talk about this one company. There's a French company called Gensite Biologics, and they actually recently got approval to start human trials with optogenetics. And they're actually gearing up for it right now. I think the target is the first quarter of this year, if I'm not mistaken. And their hope is to restore sight to people with retinitis pigmentosa. But here's the really cool part. The gene the company's using is derived from a single-celled algae. Yes, algae. I mean, it's actually the gene that the algae uses to detect light. So in this human application, the idea is that the algae gene will convert the ganglion cells in the human eye into these photoreceptor cells. (laughs) So I'm sorry, but uh, you're actually going to have to refresh me on what uh, ganglion cells are. I'm a little fuzzy on it. (laughs) Well, So normally these ganglion cells relay visual information from the eye to the brain. But in people with this disorder, this retinitis pigmentosa, the cells Mm -hmm. are actually just too damaged in order to function. So so by injecting these light detecting cells to fill in for those damaged cells, the hope is to kind of, you know, restart that conversation between the eye and the brain. I just think that's so wild to think about. I mean, it's like a cure for blindness using genes from a single cell organism that uh that can't see on its own yeah it is pretty weird it actually reminds me of this wired article i read that it was pointing out how different this kind of treatment was compared to the other type of gene therapy that you know we mentioned earlier and you know as the author put it a company isn't inserting a gene from another human another mammal or even another animal but from algae forget cross species this is cross domain So it sounds like it's working out, though, right? So what kind of vision does this algae gene supply? All right. Well, this is where we do get into the whole imperfect cure thing, because these algae genes would only boost the eye's detection of red light. So what does that mean? That that means that the new photoreceptors wouldn't be able to perceive green or blue light. And as a result of that, the patients would only be able to see in black and white. So it winds up being about as useful for treating this form of blindness as the bionic argus eye I was talking about earlier, since that was also limited to black and white, right? Well, that is true. But I think you were saying the argus used, what, like 60 electrodes? And, Mm -hmm. you know, so if this algae gene can convert even just 10% of the eye's retinal ganglion cells into photoreceptors, that would actually be the equivalent of roughly 100,000 electrodes. Wow. You know, so while the vision granted by this algae gene would, would still lack color, it's definitely a whole other level in terms of clarity. I mean, this would be pretty much unprecedented in terms of blindness treatment. Which is super impressive. But, you know, even in trying to keep an even-keeled approach to the subject, there's one downside to gene therapy for blindness that we haven't touched on yet, and that's price. So I'm not sure if you saw this, but late last year, the first gene therapy in the U.S. was approved by the FDA. It's called Luxturna. And it's designed to treat Liebers, that form of inherited blindness that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I remember hearing about this in December, and it's when we were first starting to talk about maybe doing this episode. But but I don't think they'd settled on a sticker price, but from what you're saying, it sounds like it's on the higher end. 
Yeah, so the final price is $850,000 per patient. Oh, wow. That's definitely on the higher end. <laughs> that actually makes it the most expensive medicine sold in the U.S. Yeah, and, and and if you consider like only a couple thousand people are affected by Libras each year, so it's hard to imagine that's going to get cheaper fast. But yeah. I don't know, still, there, there's no question that people like Turner would, would help. I guess they would say it's worth the price, maybe. So that's what I would have said at first, but now I'm not so sure. We've spent a lot of this show weighing the pros and cons of different treatment options and trying to get a sense of how close we are to effective cures for blindness. But one thing we haven't stopped to consider is whether the people who actually live with blindness and other visual impairments, whether they even want vision. Yeah. And I remember reading, you know, I think it was in an Oliver Sacks work years ago, just about how overwhelming that experience could be for those that suddenly mm -hmm. regained vision. And, and I have to admit, like I'd always been under the assumption that you know, most people who were blind or almost everyone who was blind would want to see. But I don't know. Do, do you think that's a safe assumption to make? Yeah. So I, I read a few accounts from blind people while researching that made me think it might not be that cut and dry. So in fact, there seems to be a good bit of debate within the blind community over which treatments or even which potential cures are actually worth the hassle. So, for example, some people might only go for a treatment if it could deliver full color vision while others would be content with the blurry black envision that, you know, I mentioned a while back. And, and also, there are also plenty of blind people who say they don't care about the prospect of sight. And I'm curious about that. Again, we have no experience like this to be able to even understand it. But were you able to get a sense of, of why that is, maybe? There's this article in The Atlantic that gave almost a different perspective. And I've got the quote here. So the author writes, for some people who are blind, particularly if they've been blind since birth, gaining sight can actually be a bizarre, disruptive experience. People who have regained sight, such as through a corneal transplant, report being unable to recognize objects until they pick them up in their hands, as they've been doing their whole life. Well, and you know, so that's something that I really hadn't thought about that much before, but it, it does make a lot of sense. And I mean, researching new ways to cure eye disease is obviously a good thing and, and worth doing, but it's maybe a little naive to assume that all blind people would even consider themselves in need of a cure. Definitely. And actually, there was another good quote in that Atlantic piece. So it was from a woman named uh, Stacy Cervenka, who was born blind because her optic nerve hadn't developed. And she works as an executive officer for the California State Rehab Clinic. And her husband, who is blinded by a gunshot, also teaches there. And he teaches people to uh, to get around independently. Anyway, Stacy said, it's not like we've been sitting in rocking chairs for decades and we were waiting until we could go to the hospital for treatment. Blind people have lives that are as busy and chaotic and full as any sighted people. Yeah, I like that quote. It's definitely something we should uh, we should always remember. But um, all right, Mango, I think you know what time it is. Time for the fact off. Let's do it. So here's a quick one. In 1990, Crayola's top crayon maker, a man named Emerson Moser, retired after 38 years at the job. And just before he did, he revealed that he'd been colorblind the whole time. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, <laughs> I'm curious, though, do you know if it affected his job at all? I mean, he made over 1.4 billion crayons and, uh, <laughs> and Crayola execs were all praised for him. So I, I don't think so, though. He did admit to double checking his work a lot. And uh, also, this is a cute aside, his his work boots, which were ankle high and coated in all these different colors of crayon drippings from his work days, 
are now on display at the Crayola Hall of Fame. Oh, that's pretty fun. Well, I've got a pretty good one, too, here. So Ralph Teeter, who invented cruise control, was actually blind. Now, he was a genius inventor who was an incredible engineer, but he actually got the idea for cruise control when he was riding around in the car with his lawyer. And apparently the guy was a terrible driver. And <laughs> as they were driving around, he kept braking and jerking. And so Ralph realized there's got to be a better way. I love that. So had you heard that Egyptians thought you could actually cure blindness by dropping a little bat blood in your eyes? I had not. They assumed that because bats could see at night, the blood might have some superpower abilities. That's not the craziest idea in the world. But uh, mm -hmm. actually, speaking of bats, have you heard about these ultrasonic helmets that allow you to see like a bat? Mm -mm. So it's called the sonic eye and it's still in development. But basically what it does, it, it sends out these ultrasonic chirps and then it catches them in these two bat shaped ears. And then you've got <laughs> this processor that slows the sounds down by a factor of like 20 or something. And that helps, you know, make it audible for the person who's wearing it. But the results are actually pretty amazing. So not only can the people wearing them navigate on this hike through the forest, but they can also decipher when these little changes happen. Like you've got a plate that's moved in front of them by less than 20 centimeters. They can actually detect that. And in the future, scientists expect to reduce the devices to look a little bit more like a sporty headband than an awkward bat helmet, which... I have to admit, made me laugh a little bit when they were saying, oh, but don't worry, one day we'll make it look like a sporty headband. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I love that idea and that you can actually see at nighttime is pretty incredible. <laughs> but uh, that thing did remind me of a little life hack. Uh, this is something I, I actually do. It's when you're getting up at night to use the bathroom or whatever, if you cup a hand over one eye before you turn the lights on and then keep that eye closed or covered until you turn the lights back off, and then switch eyes, like whichever eye you're using. It's amazing, but you'll actually be able to see in the dark because the eye you kept closed never actually bothered to adjust to the light. All right, well, here's a cool one from Johns Hopkins. So did you know that when blind people solve math problems, they use the same brain areas as sighted people, not surprisingly, but they actually also use parts of the brain that others only use for vision. So the scientists were stunned to learn that they basically repurposed this part of their brain specifically for math. That's pretty awesome. So this is one I think you'll like, and it comes from PopSci. So apparently transplanting an eyeball is really difficult because the optic nerve is super finicky. But the way the article puts it, you might not need to factor the optic nerve into the equation at all. Eyes and perhaps other sensory organs can hook up to any available central nervous system port and boot right up if manipulated properly. So scientists at Tufts have actually done this, and they've taken blind tadpoles and grafted eyes to their tails so that you could actually see from their backsides. Oh, man, Mango, I can't compete with that, especially because I know this is the fact that my kids are going to remember of some creature being able to see with their butts. So, uh, yeah, just outpouch something back there. That's a, yeah, I did say <laughs> outpouch, so I think I deserve some bonus points for that. But uh, I'm going to have to give you the fact off trophy this week. Congratulations. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode. But as always, if we've forgotten any great facts, whether it's about today's subject or anything you feel like we should know, we would love to hear from you. You can email us parttimegenius at howstuffworks.com. You can always call us on our 24-7 fact hotline. That's 1-844-PT-GENIUS. Or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. We love hearing from you. We've loved hearing all the great questions and suggestions coming in from listeners. But that's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening.
Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Tristan McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. <laughs> Jerry Rowland does the exact producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eve Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Did we, did we forget Jason? Jason who? has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings.